Welcome to the Energy Update presented by the Institute for Energy Research. I'm your host, Alex Stevens, and as always, I'm joined by IER's Deputy Director of Public Policy, Jordan McGillis. Jordan, what do we have going on this week at IER? Thanks, Alex. We've got four new pieces of content I want to bring to everyone's attention at IER this week. The first piece is coverage on the recently passed energy law in Virginia. This is the Virginia Clean Energy Act, which was passed as House Bill 1526 and Senate Bill 851. This change is not one for the better for Virginia. It's going to establish a rather strict renewable portfolio standard, and it will require Dominion Energy Virginia to be 100% carbon-free by 2045, and Appalachian Power to be 100% carbon-free by 2050. So this is rather onerous. It also establishes new energy efficiency standards, which are going to drive up prices for consumers, particularly burdensome to low-income consumers, as we know. Uh, it's going to advance offshore wind, one of the most costly forms of energy generation known to man, um, and is going to advance solar and distributed generation as well. We also have a piece uh, regarding the International Energy Agency's forecasting for the remainder of the year um, on the energy front. And due to the obvious economic ramifications of the coronavirus, IEA is anticipating a 6% decline in energy demand on the year, which is rather stark. Third, we've got a piece that analyzes some of Joe Biden's proposed policies, including a ban on oil drilling on federal lands and offshore areas. Uh, we anticipate this would have very dire effects for the economy, for jobs, and for state revenues uh, as well. And then lastly, we've got a piece from our founder, Robert Bradley Jr., on the sorts of policies that governments should institute and the principles they should have in these uh, pandemic scenarios or other dire economic scenarios such as we face right now. The principles Dr. Bradley brings up are, first, that private property rights and market pricing should remain unencumbered to coordinate supply and demand. The second principle is that government should not take ownership stake in companies. Third principle is that relief should be pro-consumer and market conforming. The fourth principle is that new taxes and regulations that are tangential to the emergency should be avoided. And the final principle is that any new authority or bureaucracy dealing with an emergency should be terminated upon a return to normalcy. Thank you, Jordan. Those articles and more content from IER's staff can be found at our website, instituteforenergyresearch.org. Before we go, I just want to highlight this week's episode of the Plugged In Podcast. This week, IER's Director of Policy, Kenny Stein, sat down with Chet Thompson from AFPM. They discussed the pandemic from the refining industry's perspective, as well as some of the public policy proposals that have been in the public conversation. Here's a clip from that episode. Yeah, so with all with all that going on, we've sort of seen the last month or two a lot of policy responses that people have been throwing out to try and deal with uh, some of the things. We like in addition to our demand problem, we've got uh, the supply side glut from the price war. People have been talking about mandatory production cuts, uh, tariffs, completely banning imports uh, from some countries. So the on the supply gut slide, rather than just the demand side, how how is that affecting refiners and sort of some of these proposals we've started, like how do they, could they, could they necessarily backfire in refiners or, you know, in maybe trying to help the producers, you might harm the refiners type thing. Well, there, yeah, a lot in those questions. Uh, <laughs> yeah. let, me, let me start off by saying there certainly has been uh, a number of, of events that have converged into this, this situation. And so, you know, prior to COVID, 
you know, the worldwide uh, uh, oil demand was about a, a hundred million barrels of day, uh, uh, you know, per day. You know, that has dropped about 30 million barrels. And, you know, from our estimates, you know, 27 million barrels of that has been the, you know, been largely been the demand destruction part of the imbalance. And then there's, you know, a three to four million barrels per day imbalance, part of the imbalance caused by the oversupply between the Saudi and, you know, Russia uh, price war, if you will. And I give you those numbers to point out that, look, they both have been contributing to the problem, but overwhelmingly, this is a demand destruction problem. And, you know, what we've been trying to communicate is certainly we support efforts to try to find the right global balance between su supply and demand. And we've applauded the administration's effort to, you know, to, to, to lead a diplomatic effort to find some solutions. And, you know, we certainly are, are, are glad that, you know, the OPEC plus deal, you know, found, you know, was reached. Uh, through the leadership of this administration. That's good, certainly. But again, the, not, nothing's going to get better until we get demand returned in this country. And so overwhelmingly, that this is a demand problem. Now, what we've, our position with the administration has been, please do not make a bad situation worse. Right. And we think that, you know, the market has, you know, an efficient way to, to handle these things. It may not be pleasant, but if we're free marketers on the way up, we should be free marketers during difficult times. And that's what AFTM and our members are. Thank you all for listening to the Energy Update presented by the Institute for Energy Research. Until next week, I'm Alex Stevens.